Welcome to the Aquarian Collective. This is where you'll listen in on three Aquarians as they go on a quest with dialogues from the heart that will empower you to flow and speak your truth, live your life, and experience your wholeness unabashed, unfiltered, authentically, and candidly. And of course, to evolve the form of our world one system at a time. So chill out, shake that load off, and enjoy as they bear these waters with you. So guys, again, we are the Aquarian Collective. Thank you for joining us. Yes, um, so today we will be talking about... Dot, dot, dot. Toxic Filipino <laughs> trait. <laughs> Generally about our culture. Toxic traits about their culture. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so like, what what brought us to want to talk about this? Like, why is this our first episode? Out of I all think, of the... Yeah. Uh, no, I think I remember we were brainstorming ideas. And this is the most commonly uh, suggested one. Mm. And then I sent you the picture of the subtopic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you told, you posted it on the group, and then we all just started mm-hmm. talking about it. Mm, right. And I remember one of you, uh, one of you enumerated certain, bro- certain of um, certain subtopics. Mm, you were, mm. one of you was yeah. like, expounding on it. Oh yeah, right. So I think that's how it, that's how it blossomed for, I don't know, for the lack of a better word. Yeah, I guess like I would why I had to ask that was like for example like for me I think this is a very good first topic because well apart from the fact that we're all Filipinos like yeah I mean this is kind of related to to everything that that's going on yeah in in our world today mm-hmm. I mean I guess we're we're just localizing it or generally localizing it to the Asian subculture because this is mm-hmm. where we are and this is where we're from right but I guess. Yeah. In some way or another, maybe at the end of our episode today, we'll see that some of our our toxic idea or, or our toxic concepts or in our in our culture um, may also relate to some other cultures out there. For sure, mm-hmm. and it's great because Ish is in is in Tel Aviv right now, so she'll be able to share some insights on that. For sure. And I feel like, you know, this topic stemmed because we could all kind of relate to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, with what's happening in the world right now, I guess we're all trying to be relatable to each other, you know, like especially what's happening within the States. I feel mm. like, you know, now nowadays we're more compelled to share our stories and how we feel about our experiences as Asian people within our Asian, you know, families and communities. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, who wants to share their story? <laughs> who wants to? <laughs> Wait, let's um, just preface this by saying that what we aren't speaking for everybody when we're sharing our own experiences. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are people who can yes. relate. And I think it's it's obviously scary to talk about because you don't want to offend anyone. And in our culture, it isn't really... At least speaking about all these things isn't normalized because we're taught mm-hmm. from a young age to 
oppress our feelings and to just mm. put these things aside for the sake of not I guess not wanting to air out anybody's dirty laundry. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean it, yeah. It's a lot of shame based behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, more than anything. And I guess that's one of the things especially here in Asia and at least here in the east where shame is a mm-hmm. very heavy concept you know and it's yes yeah for for whatever reason you know i don't i don't really know how that came to be i mean if you guys know how that came to be then please feel free to to share that cuz mm-hmm. yeah i think i think it's more like a it's like a cultural it's a cultural issue i think like it's yeah. it's definitely dominant within our communities. I think less so in other cultures like European cultures or Western cultures. Like they're more like open minded and mm-hmm. you know like um, they're able to adapt to situations more. But I, I feel like maybe in the Asian communities sometimes we we choose shame because it's the easier feeling or it's the it's our reaction towards a specific situation usually. Yeah. Mm. Kind of like a fight or flight thing. Right, right. Yeah. Is it do you guys think it's easier to deal with shame than guilt at least in the Asian context? I think it would depend on the situation. Mm. mm mm-hmm. Okay. Cuz like I don't know for me it seemed at least when I was growing up um it was easier for me to deal with shame than it was with oh no actually no I'm I, I'm lying <laughs> there. It was easier for me to deal with guilt than it than it was with shame like yeah. Yeah. as a kid growing up i was like a fat kid you know so i was so body conscious mm-hmm. i mean eventually i became body conscious at first i was just i didn't really care cuz like yeah when you're younger you don't really care yeah it's, right when yeah. you're i think when you're around certain people or mm. used to seeing how other people are treated that you kind of become more conscious about how it affects you mm, which mm. isn't necessarily a good thing mm. and it's i wouldn't say it's scary to deal with i guess more so in terms of how not it just how it, it doesn't just affect you maybe also how it affects other people who you choose to surround yourself with that's true that's true yeah. i mean like When I was a kid, I I used to be I used to be loved by all. <laughs> I mean, not I think we all were at one point. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, right. We're just and like then, the center of attention all right. the time. And then at some point, like when the bullying started, you know, mm-hmm. I think for me, I think that's where the whole the whole shaming also started. Yeah. Um uh and of course, like my weight was was a factor there. and not just like with friends or like with people in school or the or the kids that were also around me but more so like also in the family like mm-hmm. you know when when i had i have like titas who would be yeah who would have those like oh you got fatter after <laughs> the last time i saw her. i'm like i i feel like i've always been this way i've gotten fatter <laughs> oh my god You know, so that 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 contributed a lot to yeah. to how I looked at myself and looked at my body. I mean, yeah. on the positive side, it kind of motivated me to to be more to aware. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got me more aware, or at least 
I, I, I wasn't aware of it, but I became more conscious of my yeah. weight, but conscious in like in a in a in a negative sense in the uh-huh. like I yeah. because I wanted to stop hearing all of the 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 bullying from my peers mm-hmm. and from my family. Mm-hmm. But yeah. even with that, like it, it didn't stop. You know, so I would watch out for my weight. I would yeah. uh, start exercising and whatnot. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. But also at the same time, my motivation was, yeah, it, it, was, it didn't feel right. Like I was still doing it for somebody else and, it, and yeah. I wasn't doing it for myself. And I, and I think that's also, also what contributed to the shame, you mm-hmm. know. But then, yeah, dude, like, and I think that's something that's so prevalent in, in the Asian culture, like the shame itself. Like we do yeah. a lot of things for exactly. other people because we don't, we don't want to be shamed by them, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like, so... like what you like I in relation to what you were saying about being bullied and like peer, hearing all these negative comments. I think yeah. in our culture we we have this thing where we really want to push tough love. You know, it's all about tough mm. love. Like mm. it, I feel like sometimes people don't really know how to say how they feel in a positive way and sometimes they'll yeah. say, mm. you know, like oh tumabakana or like you know throw all these comments then we take it we take it personally, like it hurts us. Yeah. But they're just right. trying to tell, like they're just trying to show their love. But I think mm-hmm. it's it's not a very productive way to express your opinion. Or so. that's true. Yeah. That's true. Exactly. I kind of relate to you in that sense. Um, at least when I was a kid, I think like I was a pretty fit kid. Mm-hmm. But then when I hit, I think around maybe seventeen, eighteen, that's when I gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And I don't really talk about this. Mm-hmm. But I did deal with an eating disorder for half a year from around, I think, late late December to early 2015. Like, late mm-hmm. December 2014 to early 2015. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, at least from, like, in what happened, from what happened to me, a lot of, like, my relatives would make comments about, you know, like, you're getting too skinny um, you don't um, eat, and whoa. apparently my dirty laundry like that was being aired out to mm-hmm. other people. Like my dad told his friends, um, other relatives found out. And the thing is, I think that's kind of what my trust issues stemmed from. Whoa! Like why why air out my dirty laundry if it has if it doesn't have anything to do with you? Wow, that's yeah. so it, it definitely yeah. yeah. Like, it definitely took a while for me to get over that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think just gaining back that confidence and trying to bounce back from an eating disorder, it is tough. Right. Like it, it is. It really is tough. Like, I it dealt is. with one. I dealt with one again. So, back then, it was anorexia. And then, I dealt with one from, like, late... I would say, like, late December to around the end of April, but this was orthorexia. I'm not sure if mm. you guys have heard of it. What is no. it? Um, what, what is it? Mm. But basically, orthorexia is, I think, when you develop, like, you... Wait, actually, let me get the... <laughs> actual... <laughs> let me check the dictionary, because I don't want to... You gotta be politically correct. <laughs> yeah, I don't want people to come at me. Um, what the hell? Yeah, go ahead, Lexic. <laughs> I mean, just to add to that, I... I personally don't think I experienced an eating disorder, but I think there was a certain way that I looked at how I was eating 
and yeah. I would rationalize because, mm-hmm. like, my I know that my escape, my um, my defense mechanism is rationalization. So I yeah. tend to mm-hmm. rationalize why I would do this, why I would do that, or why I would eat this and why I would eat that. You know, and yeah. it would sound so convincing, not just to other people, but yeah. to myself. You know, and yeah. looking back at it, I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay, then I found the meaning. Yeah, go ahead. I was right, apparently. So it's an unhealthy obsession with healthy mm. eating. Oh, that, um, yeah, dude. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where I'm also coming from. Oh, though. that can be toxic too? Like caring too much about what you think, what you're eating? Well, apparently so. I only heard of the term a couple of months ago. And I think I was noticing symptoms at first. Like if I wanted to eat something, I would always just say, hey, why can't, like, why don't I just reach for this? Mm. Why don't I just reach for that? Like, Uh although I was exercising, it was like, I never, I still wasn't satisfied with the way I look. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So what, I mean, I've overcome that. And, you know, you have one body, you only have one body. You have to treat it the way you want to treat it. If yeah. you want to eat something, just eat it. I mean, you can just work it out off later. It's not really a big deal. But I think mm-hmm. this is something that happens a lot with women. Mm-hmm. It isn't as... I don't, I don't really know of guys that suffer from eating disorders, but I think because of the way women are taught about their bodies, like, if you look on Instagram and Facebook, <coughs> you see pictures of all these models. Right. Yes. And old magazines. Yeah, like magazines, obviously. Like, that's definitely something, too. And you kind of ask yourself, like, why don't I look like these people? What can I do in order to look like these people? And it's, it definitely hurts your confidence. Right, exactly. And it makes you more conscious about the way you look and it kind of drives you to do things that you shouldn't necessarily be doing. And I think eating disorders like bulimia, anorexia, orthorexia, those are basically evident in that. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like, I, I think, I'm not quite sure, but I think based on the description of, of what was that, orthorexia? Yeah, yeah orthorexia. orthorexia. So you de- basically develop an unhealthy obsession. obsession. Yeah, uh, like yeah, obsession with I, I, I feel like I was in that space a couple of months back, where I would be on and oning and offing that, um, yeah. that, that kind of obsession, because like, I would like like I said, I would rationalize why I would eat healthy food, you know. But yeah. then mm-hmm. after eating it, I'd look at like a piece of steak, and I'm like, wow, that still looks really good. Yeah, like I want. Yeah, that. so it, it kind <laughs> exactly. of it's like I'm trying to fool myself into thinking that this is yeah. what I really want, as compared to this is what I really yeah. want. And then sometimes I'm gonna be like, no, 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 but this is what my body wants. But the, and then you know, it, yeah. it kind of just it kind of just cycles or spirals from there. That I'm con- I'm trying yeah. to convince not just myself but also my body. But the thing is, I don't even really know what my body really wants because at that point yeah. in time, I'm like. I'm already salivating at the look of the steak, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then I'm just rationalizing, no, 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 body, that's not what you want. I know what you want. Yeah. Type of thing, yeah. you know. And sometimes I would tell myself and rationalize it. Wait a minute, no. Maybe I'm I, I have to retrain my body. But then it's like mm-hmm. the body doesn't need to be retrained. I feel like the body already knows, you know. Yeah. 
I feel, yeah, I feel like maybe, you know, we, we should listen to our body more and maybe um, all these things that you guys went through. Unfortunately, I didn't go through any of these things with like any kind of eating disorders. Um, yeah. But I feel like it, it's because also like because of society and because what people are telling us and sometimes right. we, we don't listen to ourselves and we don't listen to what do yeah. I want? What does my body need? You know, and, mm. and people will just give out their opinions and then we'll be forced to second guess ourselves and think, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I'm doing this wrong or maybe I need to eat more vegetables or I need to eat more, you know, I need to cut down on yeah. sweets and, and sugar and Coke and all that. Yeah. Right. But, definitely. you know, in the end, you, you just have to listen to yourself. And I feel like now uh, you guys are kind of like realizing that more and adapting to that situation more. And um, I can't mm-hmm. really like relate to that that much, but um, I'm, I'm like trying to think of a time. So I, I think the, the closest thing I can relate it to um, was when like people would tell me like how to, how to look like mm. also, I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys like ever yeah. experienced that. Um, but like I, I used to go to an all girls Catholic school and that was really crazy. You know, they'd tell us to cut our hair a specific way. Yeah. We can't have our um skirts at a certain length. And I feel like that really pushed me to be myself even more. So like mm. I had an eyebrow yeah. piercing. <laughs> I had a piercing in high school. You did? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I, I got it pierced. So I was just like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to go get it pierced. And then I went home and then my parents were like, oh my God, like, what's that? You know, like, take it out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and it was a lot of self-limiting beliefs that were kind of um, yeah. pushed on me. Kind of like, you know, don't look like that. Don't get any tattoos. Mm. Don't do this. Yeah. And, mm. and that and that really affected affected my way of thinking because then I thought, okay, maybe I should look like everyone else. Maybe I need to make sure that my hair is a specific length. Maybe right. I shouldn't cut it too thin. Yeah. And so right. that yeah. really, really affected like the way that I looked at my body and felt that it was, you mm-hmm. know, this vessel that was just completely wrong in everyone else's eyes. So mm. yeah, um, I think that's the closest thing that I can relate to about body image and Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that also ties into traditions mm. mm-hmm. as well. I agree. I agree. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, how many times have, I guess, like, on my own experience with, with my parents, because, like, even up to now, I love my parents, really. Um, mm-hmm. It's And it's it's also within that same recognition of love that I've started to recognize that, you know, they're they've grown up in a certain time where tradition yeah. and certain ways of living and how they and how one should look um, are mm-hmm. very yeah. important, you know? And yeah. it wasn't so much because of um, that or they needed to conform because everybody else was shaming them. But rather, I guess the way mm-hmm. I look at it now is they were conforming because that was how they could, you know, better their lives, you know, especially from where mm-hmm. they were coming from. You know, I mean, just yeah. to share a bit, my parents basically started from from nothing. Like, even if my my dad came from a well-off family, he just, you know, he he left after graduation mm-hmm. and um, after him and my mom got got married. You know, they started literally from zero, and of course, they had to find some way to, you know, to, I guess, conform with society and and work mm-hmm. with that to get yeah. to where they are. 
you know and and i and that may that may be um true for a lot of other people um but mm-hmm. but the point there is is they they needed to do that out of a certain circumstance you know but mm-hmm. right now like given the the openness of of our of our world and the with the advent and the dawn of the internet you know people have become a bit more accepting you know we see a lot of doctors yeah. lawyers or people in in different professions who do have tattoos um who have piercings but of course they don't wear it during professional uh during their time uh, when they're in a professional yeah. setting yeah so but you know yeah. they 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 do express themselves and sometimes that makes me wonder like where are my parents coming from when they talk about like you know you won't get a job if you have tattoos or a piercing but then again like going back it just makes me remember that oh yeah because that was they're coming from their time they're coming from what they know mm-hmm. you know exactly. But now it's totally different, and like trying to translate that to the older generation, is is really yeah. a challenge because it feels like I'm reparenting myself and reparenting my mm-hmm. parents. You know, even if I don't want to, it's, yeah. it's like it's something that's become a unnecessary or like yeah a responsibility just because of who I've allowed myself to be and who I've recognized myself to be and as I'm coming into the process of loving myself more and accepting myself more mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and I feel like you know going back to tradition that there are some traditions that that are I, I wouldn't necessarily say outdated but there are mm-hmm. some traditions that don't really hold water or hold space anymore in the in yeah. the setting or in the global setting right now you know yeah. And there's so much resistance to, to that change, but also at the same time recognizing that there is a certain sense of wisdom to, to tradition as long as we're able to uh, like view it in a in a different light, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My parents, naman, my parents are both in their late 40s, so they had me, uh, I think they, I think my mom was 21 when she gave birth to me. My dad was mm-hmm. around 22. Oh. So there isn't that much, like the age gap isn't as big compared to some of my friends mm-hmm. and their parents. Mm-hmm. But I can, I think I can relate to you in that sense when people say, oh, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do this because you won't get a job or you shouldn't do this mm-hmm. because it's going to hinder right. your future. So I think it's basically, when they say that, I think it's basically because they mm-hmm. were taught that as well. So there are certain, obviously there are certain traditions that are outdated but at the same time, there are certain things that they were taught that they're, I guess, kind of mm. throwing at us. Yeah. So it's kind of difficult, I guess, to tell, or not naman to tell, but to differentiate what you should do mm-hmm. from what you think you should do because other people are telling mm. you to do them. So I guess, it's, I guess it's just about, like I said during the... At least what I mentioned when you were mm-hmm. talking yesterday, doing when you were doing the mm-hmm. podcast, about how we're bridging the gap from one generation mm-hmm. to another. Yes. Because obviously with our parents, there's we're never going to see eye mm. to eye with them, mainly because they experienced certain things and obviously they went through their own hardships. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people think we have it easier because of the tools that are so prevalent right now, like social media and computers mm-hmm. all these iPhones and whatever so it kind of comes into play in right. that sense. exactly it's it's yes. also 
it's also kind of interesting. Oh, sorry, Ish. If you have anything to share regarding that, please go ahead. <laughs> so I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say something like that. That when Lex, when Lex was talking about how you know our parents went through certain things, they went through oh their own experiences. They also went through their own um, uh, period in time, <coughs> and and that time is very different. And I think that this is something that that plays a huge role into why you know they they act a certain way that they do, or maybe they have different beliefs. It's really just because of their generation and because they didn't have access yeah. to all these new technologies and new ways of thinking. And maybe, you know, they were, you know, they, they only knew what they had at the time. And, you know, that was okay. You know, in, in that time, this was considered beautiful or like, you know, and, and now like we're just growing and we're progressing. And I feel like it's, it's harder for them to kind of adapt to it. Mm. And, but, but in some way we're reflecting this mirror onto them that, you know, this is how the world is yeah. evolving. You know, we're changing and we're growing and we're dyeing our hair and we're getting piercings and, mm. you know, we're, you know, body shapes don't matter anymore. Mm. Like this is our world right now. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. And it's a conversation that's important yeah. to have. Mm-hmm. Not just with people our age, but obviously with like, our parents and grandparents because we are never really going to fully yeah. understand each other. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't, come to terms with because you know we like we're gonna I fight with my parents I'm sure you guys mm. fight with your parents and yes. it's completely normal and I think it's just about finding the perfect way of communicating what we want to right. address in yeah. such a way that you know they'll understand what we're trying to say without thinking about how another, like one person's going to hurt another right. person's right. feelings mm-hmm. yeah speaking of like that was uh, because you talked about communication or you said something about communication. Like um, one thing that I've noticed when it when I try to communicate with my parents, and when I try to share them yeah. where my perspective is coming from, there's always mm-hmm. that um, what is that? that 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 converse or somewhere within the conversation, it starts to to come out. Na, but you don't know. Hindi mo naman alam. Or like you, yeah, you don't know if you only if you could only yeah. see it in our eyes. With, with with what we've gone yeah. through and with how we brought you up, you know, and, and that kind of talks yeah. to me about like, or that kind of speaks to me about utang na loob, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and that was, because yeah. we're already in the topic of shame anyway. I mean, that definitely falls under under shame. And, oh, yeah. you know, so it, it, it's kind of, it's a very regressive thought pattern, definitely. Um, the, the whole concept of utang na loob or like debt, that, or how, how do we translate yeah. that in, in English? Um, <laughs> it's like, Isn't it debt? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I have no idea. The literal translation is indebtedness, but I think it means like owing someone something. Like we owe them something. Yeah, yeah something yeah. that cannot be repaid yeah. for. Like it's a subjective debt. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah and, and, and that's yeah. kind of dangerous. Or at least not really kind of, but that is dangerous. You know, it because it's like you'll never yeah. know if you've really paid for it, you know. And I think one of the biggest yeah. things that comes out in a conversation with parents, especially with parents who like to say utang na loob, or not even just with parents, but with other people, you know? Yeah. It's something that's thrown yeah. around a lot. I mean, not necessarily at home, but it's something you hear right. every now Right, exactly. Like, even with friends, <laughs> they'll be like, utang na loob naman, you know? Like, I did yeah. this for you. What about, you know? It's just like, wait a minute. Wait yeah. a minute. It's like, why... It's like if if something if somebody did something, or if like you did something for me and I never asked for it, then how why do I have this debt? 
with you. So it's like, like yeah. this invisible thing that's floating around that like, what is it? Why is it there? Right, exactly. Like, where is this coming from? You know, and and I and I and yeah, like living living with that kind of shame, you know, it kind of brings actually questioning to to oneself that what can I do? And it's like you try to um what's that? You try to do everything in your power so you can pay it back. Or and then you try to change your mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can never yeah, really it, pay it back. No. It's so dangerous. It, it, it's really dangerous. And yeah, I personally think that that's something that we need to to look at and, and talk about. That that whole concept of utang na loob. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even even within ourselves, when we do something for somebody else, whether it's asked for or not, you know, and when there's like that certain sense of expectation that this person has to has to give it back in some way, you know, and and I guess also it becomes it it evolves like the concept of utang na loob, at least for the person receiving mm-hmm. it, starts to evolve over time, especially when somebody does something good for yeah. us. It's like we can't freely receive that that kindness because it feels like oh my god I have to give back. Yes, you know so exactly. It's like oh my god, it, it, it's so dangerous. Like it's, ooh, like just talking about it's it is pretty dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I I think um like like while we're on this like topic of uta, utang na loob, like I like my my parents are kind of older so my dad is is uh ten years older than my mom mm. and sometimes like he would talk about uh you know that it's really important to value education and it's it's super important that you go to like a good school you go to a good college so you can get a good job mm. and start a uh, a good family yeah. and then in, in my experience in college I felt like you know that I didn't really have a choice sometimes like with where I wanted to go to school like I knew that I wanted to study journalism I wanted to study mm. writing and so um like what happened for me like quick backstory like I like my parents really wanted me to like go to a really good school like Ateneo or UP mm. or something <laughs> and like I really just wanted <laughs> you know um yeah, yeah go ahead I don't know most people can probably relate to this but yeah and then I really wanted to go to school that I wanted to go to which was like LaSalle okay just because like <laughs> that was a course that I wanted the course that I wanted to study was there like yeah. I I got the course it was there you know and, and then like well mm-hmm. I ended up going to Ateneo because I felt like, okay, maybe this might be, a, it might actually be a really good good school. Like, this yeah. is what my parents wanted. They really wanted me to, like, go there. And I was like, okay, I'll go there. But I felt super unhappy because, mm. you know, I felt that I needed to go to a school where my parents would be proud of me, you know. And, like, maybe if I chose my own yeah. choice, you know, they wouldn't accept me as much. So it all ties in with just, you know, not being able to make your own decisions. With shame, dude. Yeah, the, the shame. Ties in with that shame. That freaking shame, man. So, um, <laughs> but you know like it it was great it was great like I had a really good experience um studying in Ateneo like I met so many amazing people my course was great I learned um I learned so many things but I just felt like something was missing Mm. you know I felt like something was missing inside of me Mm. and it wasn't the school it wasn't anything it was it was me it was like but what do I want to do you know Mm. and then I ended up going to this other school i ended up going to mint and then i met lex and ryan and <laughs> even if i wasn't yeah. going to mint, right like i mean i'd be going yeah. under affiliation but <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean you'd still go yeah we were always there like you were always around 
<laughs> yeah, I was the token. I was the token chauffeur. <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, it was, it was funny because like somehow that all connects into what we're talking about. Mm. Like, like that was my experience with Utangalo. Like, I just couldn't really make my own choices. Also because mm. of like, you know, what do I want to do with my future? And I feel like. I, I owed my parents something because my my parents grew up also from poverty. Like my dad was was wasn't the richest person ever, you know. Like he grew up very poor. Like he served in the church, mm-hmm. and my mom also had a really you know rough background. And they they had to grind, dude. Like they really had to work right. their butts off right. to provide us with the life that we had. Um, and in that sense, I felt like I needed to to give back. You know, okay, mm. I'll be like. A super smart kid i'll go to a great school but i can't you know i can't fill yeah. their shoes like that's not my right that's not my purpose in life that's true right so, yeah yeah i mean go and because you said like and because i guess or um what about you lex what about your your parents where did what, what was their background well my parents hmm Well, my parents don't really talk about their background much, but they had me from a young age. So they moved out of their houses at a young age and they both had to work. My dad started a business when he was, I think, 23, maybe 22, 23. I remember I was, I think my brother wasn't born yet, actually. So he must have been, he must have just turned, or he was turning 23 when he put up his own business. And my mom, like she started out as a housewife, but then she opened, she became a certified Pilates teacher and she's been teaching for mm. 14 years already yes. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, growing up, honestly, I wasn't the best student. I was more into music and art than I was into academics. And But I think it was when I hit maybe my sophomore year in high school that I realized I needed to shape up because if I didn't, at least over here, if you don't go to school, if you don't go to college, right. you won't get a job. It's not oh, yes. like a lot of Western yes. countries where, you know, if you like if you graduate high school, it's easy for you to get a job. Like a lot of at least one of my childhood best friends who migrated to the States when she was young. I think she got her. She started working or she worked her first job when she mm. was 16. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something that we <laughs> I guess and we as Filipinos aren't really mm. fortunate to have. But yeah, I wasn't the best student. I mean, I Did the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, honestly, That's I did the bare minimum. I'm not. I'm I think not we, we all kind of did. <laughs> yeah, so I did the bare minimum. When I was in sophomore year, that's when I realized I needed to shape up and right. pick my shit up. <laughs> not literally, but you know what I mean. And then in college, I didn't. I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do because all my life it's been music, music, music. Like I want to be a performer. I want to mm-hmm. sing. I want to perform on stage. So when I was entering college, I didn't really mm. know what I wanted to do. And come entrance exam time, I didn't know which schools I wanted to apply to. I mean, people were saying, you should apply here. You should apply yeah. there. Um, you should do this. You should do that. But obviously, if you do what other people want you to do, you aren't, not, you aren't really going to be happy with that Definitely. decision. Definitely. Agree. Kind of relates mm-hmm. to what Ish said. So I did apply to Mint. I think I heard about it from a childhood friend. <laughs> And I mean, like, I was part of the honor roll. I was part of the Glee Club. But there was something. I still mm, felt like something mm, was missing. Yeah. I didn't really know what that was. So I took a gap year. 
I got a lot of shit for taking that gap year because right. gap years aren't common here. And um, so I took a gap year. I ended up going to Benil. So I took a three-year course. I took a photography. Oh. And like the thing with me is I don't really know what I want to do right I still don't know what I want to do right now because there are a lot mm. of things that I'm really passionate about, like mm-hmm. art. I love music. I love to write. And right now I'm on the verge. I'm, I, I'm, I've been planning out a future right, right. business venture. Nice. So I'm like still researching mm. and everything. But yeah, I think if it weren't for what we've experienced, we wouldn't necessarily right. be where we exactly. are today. Definitely. So obviously, like even if we weren't the best of students, um, I think that doesn't really determine what our future will be and what yeah. we can do. At least over here in the Philippines, you're expected to graduate at the right. 21, yeah. 22. You're and that's expected, pretty young. You aren't expected that's really to, young, actually. Yeah, that is. Like, you're expected to graduate at a certain mm-hmm. age. You're, and then once you graduate, you're expected to find a job. And then by this age, you're, suppo- you're expected to buy your own house or buy your own apartment. And then you're supposed to get married yeah. and have a family. But the thing is, things never exactly. really go according to yeah. plan. And you can like plan everything out. Like I used to be the kind of person who would map everything out. Like by this age, I'm gonna do this. By this age, I'm gonna be married. Dude, I thought I would be. I thought I would be settled by now. I'm 25. I thought I would be in a long-term <laughs> relationship. Like I've been with with my boyfriend for eight months. But the thing is, we're LDR. Oh. And I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really mad about the setup. Like I don't, I don't know. Like sometimes, like sometimes, obviously, like there are times when I want to hug him and stuff. But I mean. It isn't as hard as people mm. make it out to be. So if I didn't go through all these things, I wouldn't yeah. be the person I am today. And I think that's something that a lot of Filipinos tend to look right. to over tend to and overlook. I, and in some way or another, I guess we can tie that up to to that certain sense of privilege that we have, like uh, that kind of privileged mm. mentality. Because yeah. you know, uh, growing right. up, I guess like for me, because I'm I'm the youngest in my family. So when when my parents had me, they were already like pretty much in a good position so like I, I grew up with a lot of yeah. privilege and you know I've, I've always thought to yeah. myself yeah at a certain age I should be this way too or I should be earning this much etc 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 and then I, I, I know that yeah. that was such a toxic thing for me because I would look at other people who were who were having trouble because I, I mean when I when mm-hmm. I was in school at least in my younger years I was like yeah, you know, I'm going to do my best because it's fun here in school and et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. You know, so yeah. I was basically teacher's pet. Yeah. You know, I was like passing all of this, oh passing all of that. I, was, I wasn't really like, this, <laughs> like the A student, but, you know, I, I, yeah. I guess when I looked at myself or when I look at myself before and when I look at my classmates then, I, you know, there's that, there's that se- certain sense of like, huh, yeah, you know, it, it, it was easy for me to think that I was doing so much better than other people. And I kind of realized right now that that's also crap mentality, you know? Mm. Yeah, so like, but when yeah, I got to college, is. that totally like shifted everything, man. Yeah. College, it just yeah, opens man. up your eyes. It does. It like, just makes it really me does. realize we're all so different uh-huh. and we're not that different at the same time. Yeah. Right. I mean, like when, when I got to college, yeah. dude, I almost got kicked out on my first year, first term. <laughs> yeah Cause, really okay because here's the thing like there was so much repression on my end that i never really knew until until then because mm-hmm. 
on my first year first term i was just partying like oh my god i'm going to go out and drink i'm going to go out to all of these parties you know and then when when the when the grades started coming in it was like what i'm three units away from being kicked out are you serious oh my gosh yeah dude so so i mean that was that was another place of shame that i was coming from because when my parents found out again yeah. that whole concept of utang na loob started coming out again you know so i had to i guess yeah. pick up my own shit as well but this time i i thought to myself wait a minute i need to do it in a different way because i realized i was pressuring myself yeah. too much to to get into my parents' good yeah. graces and now i i had to lo- reframe mm-hmm. it and look at it and be like you know i i want to I want to graduate not because my parents want me to graduate or not because I owe it to my parents. Yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, I want to. Want just to. college is pretty fun in the sense that I'm getting to do what I want to and meet different mm-hmm. people. You know, so yeah. Yeah. instead of aiming yeah. for for DL or like the dean's list, I was just like I just want to pass, man. You know, <laughs> I just want to pass yeah. like I know I aimed I aimed for the dean's list. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's shit. Yeah. I did you get it. in? Not, not all terms, but there were. I mean, there were terms where I didn't. But then towards the end of college, <laughs> I just didn't really give a shit anymore. <laughs> like with photography, it's actually a lot harder than mm. people make it out to be, especially right. if you're taking mm-hmm. all majors. Because most people think you're just gonna get a camera and you're gonna shoot, but there's actually so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't necessarily mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Like for, for my thesis. I worked with like four other people, and then we each had to come up with like we each had to come up with mm-hmm. a topic, and mine was about mental health. I don't really remember what exactly. I'll have to check my photos <laughs> in the descriptions. But my professor, like he he was he took his MFA in the states. He went to the Academy of Art in San Francisco, and he's such a theorist. He was hard mm-hmm. on everybody, and. For mine, basically, I had to show mental illnesses without my face being seen in the pictures. Obviously, eyes are window, eyes are your eyes yes. are the windows to your soul. So, without looking at your eyes, without looking at your face, how are you going to tell what's going on? So, basically, I had to take pictures of like um, my arms and like my legs, my torso, and kind of depict my own storyline through mm-hmm. those images, mm-hmm. and. With like the whole finding a certain light and doing all those things, it's actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. And there's nothing more gratifying and fulfilling than knowing that you uh, were the one doing all yes. those things. And I think kind of in, that kind of in a way ties mm. in with shame is when you do something and then. People don't recognize you when you're working behind the scenes, but then when you're on top and you're succeeding, that's when people start to say, "Hey, I'm so proud of you. I knew you could do this." So I don't know. I think it's something that does happen a lot in the Philippines. Not naman in every household, mm. but I've <laughs> like there are the need for validation, no? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I think and, that's where shame also stems from, like that need to be validated by mm-hmm. by our peers or by our parents, I guess. 
Yeah. yeah, I think this like this form of like validation, you know, stems really from like shame and guilt, like all these things that we're talking about kind of like just ties in together. We like like you know, we go back to shame and we go back to guilt and these are kind of the effects. You know, like these are the indicators and and after we feel like shame and guilt, then we kind of need a sense of validation from other people, you know, like am mm-hmm. I doing this good enough? Am I doing this well? Like uh, when you guys were talking about like overachieving in school and, and stuff like that and trying to reach a goal, I think that also comes with, you know, trying to fulfill a certain expectation. And it's, you know, it can, it can be really exhausting. It can be really, it must be really difficult to just feel like, you know, like I need to do this, I need to do more of this. And instead just, just be who we are because, you know, we're enough. We're enough. Like, I feel like we tend to forget mm-hmm. that sometimes and, um yeah yeah and like you know like I would also feel like okay am I is the course that I'm studying good enough for me like maybe you know maybe I need to study something else that's more my field um like I first studied like interdisciplinary studies whatever that is like I still don't know what that is to be honest like what that course meant (laughs) (laughs) that's okay and then I just also like moved into art um kind of similar like to where Lex went to like she kind of like took photography I also studied like design Mm -hmm. and I found Mm -hmm. myself more in touch with my work and I felt like I enjoyed it more you know even though my grades weren't the best or you know I, I, I wasn't as good as a lot of people in my class or or so it seemed like in my in my mm. my eyes I, I was happy I was doing I was happy doing what I wanted to do even though I was in college for a much longer time like it just felt it, it felt yeah. good you know like it feels good to like you know even though we've been through all of these experiences you know we've been through this roller coaster of discovering ourselves I feel like in the end like all everything that we went through shaped us into who we are now like we wouldn't be who we were if it weren't for all mm. those opinions and i agree yeah yeah like something that i've always come to or i've come to recognize like as of recently it's like everything that has happened or that has led us to who we are right now has just been a natural consequence of who we were and now that everything is happening and what we're and what is happening to us is a natural consequence of who we are you know what i mean it's 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 like I don't know. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that to be more mindful of who we are, but mm-hmm. rather, I guess, just recognizing that this is the type of person that you are right now, and there's no shame in that. You know, there's no, yes. there's no, yeah. there's no debt to anyone, like not even to yourself for for who you are and where you are in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there's really no one that you need to to step on. You know, to to get to where you want to be, because as long as you continuously choose yourself i'm not saying to be selfish or self-righteous or self-centered but Mm -hmm. you know as long as you start following or continue to follow the pull of your being you know or the the wisdom of your body like you will just get to wherever you want to be and that'll just be a natural consequence of who you have become you know that's so true i totally agree with that Word. <laughs> Word. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. What a beautiful conversation we've just like we're having right now. Yeah, you guys. And and you know, know, you know, you know, guys, like this is not an easy topic to talk about. Like I feel like 
It's mm. really important it that we talk about these things based off on our experiences and, you know, like we're kind of relating it to each other's lives to see that this mm. is a unified yeah. and collective experience that we're all going through, that we went through and that shaped yeah. us w- within like the Asian culture. Because, yeah. you know, I feel like um, we, we can't really speak for, you know, black people or white people or mm-hmm whoever kind of people out there, we can only speak for ourselves. And this is something that we went through mm-hmm. and we're just, mm-hmm. we feel yeah. so strongly about it. And I feel like right. it's really important to like, just share our experiences. Like there, it, there's no right. need for it. There's no need for mm-hmm. anything. It's just that we want to like talk about this more. Like, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and like, it's pretty cool. Cause remember we listed down some of the things that we wanted to talk about. We talked about all of it without yeah. having to like point it out there. I know exactly. <laughs> like I brought, I brought, I brought the paper. I wrote it on in case, but I didn't yeah. even bring it out. Like, and this was more beautiful. Like this was so beautiful that we talked about all these things. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. And it's good that we're talking about it. It's definitely a conversation that needs to be started more often because at least over here, like as one of you said. It's Filipinos aren't the most open-minded yeah. people. So, like, if we talk about it, obviously we are going to hurt another mm-hmm. person's feelings. And the thing is, we are going to hurt other people's feelings. We aren't always going to agree on mm-hmm. the same things 100% of the time. But I guess it's a learning curve because there, I'm sure there are people who are going through the same yeah. things yes. that we went through. And, I mean, they are probably terrified to talk about it because there are consequences to our actions. But at the same time, if we don't That's talk true. about it... Yes. Then, and also, I feel like this is a, a, a practice for us to... Like, learning how to, to truly listen. Mm-hmm. You know? Because, like, empathy. Yeah. Um, empathy more than anything, I guess. Because, like, it's... It, it provided... It, it helps that we're, again, like, we're friends. So we were already within a comfortable yeah. space with one another, mm-hmm. you know, but like it would be like this itself is a practice for us to be that to be able to listen to truly listen to other people as well when we you know when we step out of of oh yeah of our of our own spaces, you know yes, and I think that's also like a that's something that a lot of people can also practice on when they allow themselves to freely open themselves into dialogue yes. when uh, with other people, like especially with friends or like just at least to start out with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. No, like I, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's really important. <laughs> what, what Ryan said, like what you said about um, starting it within friends, because it's so much harder to talk about this in a social setting where it's just strangers, you know, you're not going to come up and be like, this is my trauma. This is my childhood story and stuff like that. And I feel like when we start in this small space, it can grow into, you know, the aquarium of life and spread out. And I feel like in in some way we're, we're doing good. Like we're doing good things just because we're, we're, we're promoting dialogue. We're promoting open discussions. And and like what we were talking about mm. yesterday in, in our test episode that, you know, sometimes we're on social media and all the time we're getting output and we're not giving enough input about ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're just kind yeah. of so true. absorbing everything that's out there. And at the same time, we're not sharing our stories enough. And I feel like as much as we absorb information, it's also important to share information. Um, right. 
and and some way or another yeah. we unconsciously or I wouldn't say uncon or yeah I guess unconsciously give people the permission and the allowance to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, like to to just speak, like gather a couple of friends, you know, yeah. over whatever you guys want to to enjoy with as you're talking to each other, and then just share, you know, because yeah. it it really helps. Like with me, like I thought that I've if 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 we didn't share about um what was that thing. Uh, I, I forgot. I forgot the name of that term. Um, arthorexia. No, ar- ar- yeah, arthorexia. I, oh, I wouldn't yeah, have yeah. actually realized. Oh my god, I was experiencing that. I mean, I didn't. There was no. I didn't know the yeah. the, the term for it. But now that you shared it, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I was going through that, and I guess there are also moments have pockets of moments go through that too. And it's definitely helpful. It's helpful that we know each other, because as Ish said, it's obviously going to be a bit awkward if mm-hmm. we were to talk about this with strangers, and it's also talk. It's also a bit mm-hmm. difficult to talk about it with family, because they'll mention all these things about you know how you shouldn't talk about this because this, you shouldn't talk about that because that. So it's definitely helpful that we've created that safe mm-hmm. space to talk about these kinds of issues. And it's also a lot better and more productive than just crying to yourself. So yeah. I remember talking to you about this yesterday, about how I, right. why I like going right. for morning runs. Especially when I just want to cry. <laughs> it just looks nice. like sweat. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, talking about it is mm-hmm. a lot. Uh-huh. It is therapeutic. It can be difficult, but at least it's, it's better than just turning to yourself and just crying it out because there's only so much you can cry about and this is definitely mm-hmm. something I've mm-hmm. learned the hard way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Yeah, like, yeah, I guess in closing, because we're almost at an hour into into the podcast, but I guess yeah. for me in closing, like, just to share like yesterday, you know, trusting body wisdom and not being ashamed of, of what, of, how I was yesterday, you know, before we did the test recording, I was just eating on junk food and watching Game of Thrones just because I did, I, I just felt so heavy. Like, I just wanted to eat it out, you know. But then, you know, in essence, it could have yeah. been like a coping mechanism, but I didn't feel ashamed of it because at the end of the day, you know, it, it did help. It did help because yeah. today now I feel so much, I feel different. I feel better, you know. And then especially yeah. after talking with you guys again, you know, and after some of the conversations I had this morning, it, it really brought a lot of uplifting energy within mm-hmm. my space, you know. So, yeah, thank okay. you guys for, for yeah. listening. For to, sure. Yeah. It's like free therapy. Like, talking to you guys, it's like free therapy. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to run it them. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to run them out of business. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, you never know. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's just the authentic feeling of being able to be heard more than anything. I think that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want to say anything else um, before we before Ish plays her 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 tongue drum? <laughs> no. I think just closing this with, you know, be more at least for those who are listening just to be more open-minded mm. and think twice before saying something because you never really know what other people are 
going mm. through behind scenes. Mm. So true. Yeah, and and just to add to that, I think that you know, like keeping things inside in some way later on can be much harder to, you know, to accept and to acknowledge. And I feel like just sharing and being open um, mm-hmm. can really help. Can really help heal us yeah. and really project us into a more, you know, into a more progressive future, into a more yes. into a That's more it. happy life, into a more happy life in general. Mm-hmm. All right. That's it. That's it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ish. Thank you, Lex, for sharing this space. Thank you, guys. All right. <laughs> Thank so, you for sharing. Again, for everyone listening in, this has been <laughs> the first episode of the Aquarian Collective with Ryan. And Ish. Lex. Yeah. Till the next one, guys. <laughs>